In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. Let the light of your face shine upon me. Watch over me, lead me, and guide me, that with you evermore I shall be. I adore you with profound reverence, and ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. Mary, my mother, St. Joseph, my father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we've talked about healing, and, uh, and we've talked about repentance, and, and that leads us into forgiveness. And so there's a few different scripture passages that, that I want to reflect on in light of forgiveness, because forgiveness can oftentimes be one of the bigger obstacles in terms of, of what keeps us from really being in relationship with with our Lord and with others. And, um, and so the, the first place and the, the first thing that comes to mind is our Lord's teaching on the Lord's prayer. And he says, this is how you are to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. As it is in heaven, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not subject us to the final test but deliver us from the evil one. If you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your transgressions. And, and so this line in verses 14 and 15, there's, there's this kind of imposing order that, that's put on it and, and it's an order that, um, that I think can itself also become an obstacle in our own hearts, right? Like, if you forgive others, then your Heavenly Father will forgive you. And, and it kind of goes against or opposite another order, which is that it's not that we have loved God, but that He's loved us in 1 John 4.10. And, and that the first action is the action of God. And, and the fact that the first action is the action of God, it, it's, it comes out in what St. Paul writes about forgiveness in Colossians chapter 3. He says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If one has a grievance against another, as the Lord has forgiven you, so must you also do. Right? As the Lord has forgiven you, so must you also do. And, and then there's sort of the parable of the wicked servant who, who finds himself in great debt and he goes to the master and the master forgives him his whole debt and then he goes around and he sort of puts other people who owe him in prison until they pay him and then the master puts him in prison. And, and so really this order might better go this way, that, that first and foremost, God has forgiven us. And because he's forgiven us, we're called to forgive others. 
But when we fall short in forgiving others as the Lord has forgiven us, we cut ourselves off from God. And that becomes the obstacle. That becomes the obstacle. And so we learn to forgive by learning to receive that first and foremost from our Lord. And and so I want to look at another character from John's Gospel because I think it fills that out, and and that's the woman in John chapter 8, the woman caught in adultery. And in John chapter 8, it says that this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. When Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, uh, early in the morning, he arrived again in the temple area, and all the people started coming to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and made her stand in the middle. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? And, and so this woman's caught in the very act of committing adultery, and, and, um, and I often reflect on this passage that, that she's probably a prostitute in her life story. She probably became a prostitute like many other people. Maybe she was abandoned as a child. Maybe she was orphaned as a child. Maybe she was abused by someone along the way. But however her circumstances of life were, she came to this conclusion that I don't really deserve to be loved. I don't really deserve to be happy. I don't deserve a real marriage. The best I can do is sell my body and go from man to man to man to man, make some money along the way. But she probably hates her life. You know, sort of the best I can do, right? Going back to that kind of like minimalistic outlook. And then she gets caught in the very act of committing adultery and she's sort of brought out into the temple area and I imagine this sort of crowd gathering around and they say to Jesus, the law says we should stone her, what do you say? And, and this woman, it doesn't say anything like the woman protested or the woman said, no, it wasn't me, or that the woman started making excuses, that, that she really in that moment might be forced into a place of repentance and recognizing, okay, this is probably what I deserve. And now everybody knows what I already know about myself. And she's kind of exposed in the midst of her shame. Unlike the woman at the well where Jesus simply read that into her life. She's been exposed by others and is kind of out there. Moses says we should stone her, what do you say? And our Lord just bends down and writes in the sand. And, and as he writes in the sand, you know, we could reflect on what does he write in the sand, but, but I think really like he was simply lowering himself to place himself within her gaze. 
right, to place himself within her gaze. Because like anyone whose shame is exposed, you know, imagine like everybody in the room or the parish or even your family like came to know what was in your heart, the things that you don't want anybody to know about you. Where would you be looking? Oftentimes we'd be looking at the ground. And, and so our Lord lowers himself to the ground. And as he lowers himself to the ground, he comes into her field of view. And, and she probably feels very like uh, hesitant about that and probably looks away like most of us would look away. And then our Lord stands up and he says, whoever among you has no sin can cast the first stone. And then he goes back to right in the ground and, and places himself back in her field of view. And, and she starts to notice that he looks at her differently. That he looks at her differently. That in this moment in which she believes everybody is right about her, that she should die, our Lord is looking at her with love. And his love sort of penetrates her heart and, and it enters into that place of repentance. And she's transformed by love. He looks at her differently than everybody else looks at her. And I imagine the crowd's noticing this and starting to ask themselves, like, how does he look at her like that? And eventually they all leave. And then it's just Jesus and the woman. And he stands up and he looks at her and he says, woman, has no one condemned you? And she answers, no one, sir. And the no one, sir, includes herself, right? The no one, sir, includes herself. That somewhere in the midst of the look of love, she started to see herself the way our Lord sees her. Instead of the way the crowd sees her. And she's able to receive that forgiveness. And forgiveness means you don't owe me the debt anymore, right? You don't owe me a debt anymore. That's what forgiveness means. And so, so we've been talking about how repentance means, like, this is what I did and this is what I deserve. Forgiveness is when somebody owes us something and we say, no, you don't owe it to me anymore. Like, like if somebody owes me $20 and, and every time I see them, I'm thinking to myself, they're going to give me my $20. And then we have this interaction and, and then they leave and they don't mention the $20. And I'm like, that person, like they owe me $20. They didn't even say anything. They don't even care. And then I start having conversations in my head and all the things I would have said if I only was thinking right at the time. And, and, and I start harboring that in my heart and, and I don't say anything, but it's taking up a lot of my space, a lot of my emotional space, a lot of my heart space. If I want to be free from that, I have to say, you don't owe me the $20 anymore. I forgive the debt. That doesn't mean we're going to have a relationship anymore. It simply means you don't owe me the money and you don't have to take up the space in my heart. And so when our Lord says, neither do I condemn you, means you're free. 
And he says, go and sin no more. And, and she's free to go anywhere she wants to go. And where does she go? She just follows after Jesus. And that forgiveness becomes reconciliation because now she's moving towards him. Reconciliation is when both people realize, like, I've wronged you, I forgive you, we're going to both be different. And she just goes after our Lord. And, and the importance in that is, is that recognizing what our Lord has done for us, like that's what we can do for others. And, and what our Lord has done for us is he's forgiven us without demanding that we receive that forgiveness. Like from the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Now, we all are free to respond to that. And, and in responding to that, we respond to that when we repent and we go to him. And then we want to be with him and we want to stay with him and we want to follow him. And so when forgiveness, unforgiveness is an obstacle in our spiritual life, sometimes the reasons it's an obstacle is because we confuse forgiveness and reconciliation. There might be people in our life that they haven't repented who have hurt us. They've hurt us. They haven't repented. We desire them to repent. We're kind of holding on to our forgiveness until they repent. Like, I'm just going to be a jerk until they realize why I'm being a jerk. Why don't they notice that I'm being a jerk? If they noticed I was being a jerk, they would probably repent. And then they would come and say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry for what I did. But they don't seem to come around. And then we hold on to that unforgiveness and it becomes an obstacle in our spiritual life. And so what we're required to do is forgive as the Lord has forgiven us to forgive freely without demanding. And that sets our hearts free. It sets our hearts free to say, okay, you don't owe me that anymore. And the fruitfulness of it comes when eventually, like moved by God's grace, reconciliation happens. And when we realize what our Lord has done for us first, then we're moved to be with him, we're moved to be around him, we're moved to love him, we're moved to serve him. St. Gregory the Great, when he talks about this woman caught in adultery, he ties several characters together. And, and some people would argue, like, that's not historical or whatever. But, but I think it makes sense that the woman caught in adultery is the same woman who, in Luke's gospel, shows up at the Pharisee's house. And it says, a Pharisee invited Jesus to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house, reclined at table. Now there was a sinful woman in the city who learned that he was at table in the house of the Pharisee, bringing an alabaster flask of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears. 
Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and anointed them with the, with the ointment. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, that she's a sinner. And Jesus said in reply, Simon, I have something to say to you. Tell me, teacher, he said, two people were in debt to a certain creditor. One owed 500 days wages and the other owed 50 since they were unable to repay the debt and he forgave it for both. Which of them will love him more? And Simon said in reply, the one, I suppose, whose larger debt was forgiven. That the one who is forgiven much loves much. And so as we receive that forgiveness from our Lord, then we learn to love others as he's loved us. And then we can forgive others as he's forgiven us. And we can do it freely because, because we have everything that we need, because our Lord is the one who supplies everything that we need. Going back to the first conference. And we're able to just let go of those things. And so again, this woman is an example of coming to repentance, receiving our Lord's forgiveness, moving towards him in love, and then being able to love others as the Lord has loved her and implied to forgive others as the Lord has forgiven her. And that's really a path that leads to joy, that leads to that kind of joy that comes from resting in our Lord. And, and there's an even greater joy when, when we start to be able to love people as he's loved us and to be an image of his love in the lives of others. And so when unforgiveness is an obstacle, what do we do with that? You know, and how do we pray with that? And, um, and there's a forgiveness exercise that Sister Miriam um, led us through on a retreat that I was on once. And, and I think it's pretty effective. And, and again, it begins with radical honesty, right? It begins with radical honesty. And, and so, so in this, this prayer exercise on forgiveness, she would invite, and, and I just invite you, like if there's somebody that you have trouble forgiving, to just invite, you know, our Lord to be with you in your prayer. And kind of in your prayer, imagine that person. And then you just unload on them. You just unload on them because we have to start with honesty, right? Like you did this and this and this and this. This is how you hurt me. This is exactly what consequences it had in my life. Like this is what, this is what you've done. And, and well, Father, that seems kind of scary to, to go through all that. I don't like connecting with my anger. And, but, but we have to start with honesty. And when we forgive, right, we're forgiving in totality, right? What we don't name is retained. What we don't name is retained. And so this is everything. This is how it's affected my life. 
And, and as we just let ourselves unload, right? Just let ourselves unload. And we let that person have it. And we feel like we've gotten everything out. Then we just take that person to the foot of the cross. We just take that person to the foot of the cross. And we entrust that person to Jesus. And especially when it's difficult for us to make that act of forgiveness, we just entrust them to our Lord because our Lord does it perfectly. Because our Lord does it perfectly. And we let our Lord look at that person. And as we find ourselves there in that place, we also find that the Blessed Mother is close by. And we just go to her and allow her to comfort us, allow her to be present to us, allow her to love us because she loves us perfectly. I preached about in my homily a couple of days ago. She is a mother of empathy, which means she knows our hearts. And she's able to comfort our hearts. And so it's a simple act of forgiveness that you don't owe me a debt anymore. And I'm not going to allow this to take up space in my heart anymore. I'm entrusting you to our Lord. This is everything that you've done to me. I'm entrusting you to our Lord. And I'm going to go get what I need from Mary, who is a perfect mother and a perfect model of love. And as we set ourselves free in that area, then we're more open to that movement of grace, that movement of the Holy Spirit, whatever it is that our Lord desires to do and to work in our own hearts. So I just invite you during this time of prayer to just look into your hearts if there's somebody that you struggle to forgive some resentment that you're holding. It might be against the person. It might be against an institution. It might be against a company. It might be against just an inanimate object. It might be against the coronavirus, whatever it is, to just take that to our Lord. Right? Get everything out. Take that to our Lord. And spend some time then in the comfort and embrace of his mother.